Dub Nation. You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat. At the Warriors Roundtable. Left side, for it's a three. In and out, rebound, out to Curry. Let's it fly. Three ball. Left corner pocket. Welcome to the table. On the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. 95-7 the game. Curry fires away. Three ball. Above the break. Here's Kevin Dana. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. We're taking your calls all hour long from 6 to 7 p.m. Hit us up, 888-957-9570. Again, that number, 888-957-9570. And we'd like to remind you that the Warriors 2022-23 season is presented by Kaiser Permanente. Kevin Dana, Gary St. Jean with you. And Gary, out a lot of... Warriors fans that that I'm friends with talked to me over the weekend. We had the Chase Center game uh, for the Santa Cruz Warriors on Saturday, so I'm running into people, and everyone's pretty optimistic about how things were looking for Golden State. They had just finished a 5-0 and homestand. They're four games above 500 for the first time, and people are like, yeah, I, I think they're starting to turn the corner. And my response was, let me see them do it on the road. Got to get two of three on this road trip. And well, Gary, two or three is no longer possible after losing the first two games of this three-game road trip Sunday in LA and of course yesterday in Oklahoma City and they're just kind of regressing back towards 500 again with a very tough schedule coming up and all of that good momentum that was built up Gary during the homestand feels like it's fading away. Well, sometimes the road can be a voice of reality. And uh, I think what you're seeing now is, yes, a terrific homestand, but some really subpar defense. Uh, you can't win on the road if you don't defend. And that uh, I was uh, tuning in early and I heard a, a wonderful uh, fan talking about the reality that I, I, I agree with her. I think this is a 500 team. And yeah. uh, that's the reality of this. But I have some good news for you. The rest of the teams that they're competing against, they're going down. There's only one team that I think is going to get in their way, and that's the Clippers. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm watching Dallas right now, and they're getting beat by about 15, and you know Minnesota, I, I don't believe in them. I don't believe in Utah, New Orleans, so uh, you know we'll talk about Oklahoma City last night, but the reality is... Phoenix is going to go up. Sacramento may come down a little bit, and Memphis may come down a lot. So what does that tell you about the Warriors? I think they can be as high as five, and they may be six. And if they get in that spot, and they decide to play defense as a, as a unit, and uh, stop making excuses because they're getting beat in defensive transition, they're getting beat in effort, they're getting beat on the boards, uh, too many fouls, uh, that's losing basketball. And uh, this team can do it when they put their minds to it. That's what, uh, that's what kind of drives coaches crazy, when you see it once in a while, but you don't give it to it on a consistent basis. Yeah, you, you know that this team can play defense at a very high level. We'll get into the numbers in a little bit, but first, Gary, I wanted to hear from Stephen Curry. This is what he had to say after the game, and then we'll get your response to what Steph says, Gary, about how the Warriors just simply put, haven't proven that they can win on the road this year at 7-25. and 
I think just the way we've played on the road first and foremost, but the fact of how hard it is to win an NBA game on the road, I don't care what you've accomplished in the past or what talent you have or whatever. There are certain momentum swings that um, make it really even more difficult. You know, we haven't proven that we can overcome those by just raw talent. We have to continue to stay accountable to those those moments where you, you give the other team life, whether that's a turnover or a missed box out, not running back in transition, you know, those type of plays that you watch the film and it's like yeah we can do something better we could those those are things that you can control you can't control where they make or miss shots or how hot they might get it's just those type of plays where you just give them life and on the road it's just tough uh like a veteran great player he he spoke uh from the heart and uh, from the mind and it's the truth yeah it's uh kind of uh, some sobering comments after they're they're quite accurate for a team that has won just seven road games and they haven't won on the road since well they were last in Oklahoma City at the end of January they have seven straight road losses And, and to me look the Thunder loss wasn't the most disheartening road loss hello Utah and Minnesota with the way those games ended but it was one of the more frustrating ones for me. And, and I say that because I didn't exactly expect them to beat the Lakers on Sunday for the simple fact that it was essentially their third game in three and a half days because that was a 12:30 start coming off just one day off following a back-to-back. And, and you know those Sunday afternoon starts in L.A. are, are always tough. But and they gave a pretty solid defensive after after sporting the Lakers a 20-point lead. We'll, we'll get into uh, kind of the, the rough starts that Golden State has had. But it, it just you're wasting a 40-point game essentially from Stephen Curry because, and quite frankly, they couldn't guard anyone. I mean, the, the Thunder shot 53% from the field. They were 45 46% from downtown, and they were beating the Warriors at the point of attack all game long. Yeah, and you know, um, something that maybe isn't brought up enough about this Oklahoma City team, nobody attacks off the bounce in the league better than these guys. Yes. And uh, I look at their roster. Now, I'm obviously a Shea Gildress Alexander huge fan. And uh, the fact that they they only got him to the free throw line for three or four. He He's normally like 14, 15, 16 free throw attempts. That guy's a tremendous young player in a very small market in an up-and-coming team. He's an all-star. The guy that I think I can just close my eyes and see him in a Warriors uniform because of the way he plays, Josh Giddy. I'm yes. in love with this guy, uh, an oh, Australian yeah. guy. And he gets you 17 assists, uh, 11 rebounds, plays winning basketball. My gosh, is he good. Now, Kev, um, I'm getting old. Maybe you're still a lot younger. You might mess with Dort, not me. Uh, really? That guy there is tough. Everybody needs a guy like him. He is yeah. physical. So, you know, you just you look at this team. They got the most draft picks of anybody in the league. They're way under the cap. They're going to get, you know, that young seven-footer coming back uh, from the foot injury. Yeah, They've Chet got Humber. a very bright future. Uh, but I, I love the way they put it down and attack the basket. And, and indicative, 68 points for the half. You dug yourself a hole in the first quarter. And uh, you're right. I mean, you, you give teams life. 
at home. You give them a positive feel about themselves, then you got to climb uphill, and it's really hard. So, you know, Steph touched on it. You get off to a bad start. It's hard. It's hard on the road in the NBA to recover, and you didn't get a lot from your bench. You just you got to get more from the bench if you're going to win uh, and and. You know, lots being written about Wiggins, and, you know, you wish him all the best in his family uh, situation. But my gosh, when you're losing a player like that, that that's big. That's a very, very key player. Sure, there's a lot of injuries in the league, but he is really, really important to the Warriors. Oh, he's incredibly important. So vital for the Warriors' chances. I mean, it it, it just makes them that much deeper. You, and, and you move guys just one peg down yeah. the the pecking order a little bit, and it just yeah, it gives you that much more depth. And so obviously, they are missing Andrew Wiggins. And what it was like forty-one to twenty-six in bench points last night in favor of Oklahoma City, even though the Thunder played one fewer guy than than Golden State and. All of their guys hit a three, and six of the nine who played hit multiple threes. And it just there are a lot of defensive breakdowns that come to mind. And and you mentioned Shea Gilgis Alexander only shot four free throws. I think he's near 600 free throw attempts for the season, one of the tops in the NBA. But uh, one reason why he only shot four free throws is because sometimes when he beat his initial defender, there just wasn't anybody to meet him at the rim. He got like two (laughs) wide open layups or dunks in the first quarter. And and then Dario Saric has that uncontested floater off a off a baseline inbounds, and then yeah. you know, it's a six point game in the fourth quarter. And Jalen Williams, there's a there's a breakdown on the weak side, and Jalen Williams just kind of sneaks into the paint and gets a wide open dunk. And Steve Kerr has to call timeout. It, it's just these things that you know that the Warriors are are better defensively than the product that they're putting out on the floor because you know these guys can be lockdown defenders. I mean, they're third in defensive rating at home and third worst in defensive rating on the road. It just It's a crazy split. And I remember, Gary, like, isn't the eight old adage for basketball coaches is that defense is what travels, not necessarily your offense. And it just seems like it's the other way around for Golden State. You know, you can talk about the craziness of the home record and road uh, record, but what you just brought out is phenomenal. I mean, I... I I'm blown away by that. Uh, the defense on the road versus at home. That that that's just uh, and and then you brought out a great point. You know, when you're coaching and you're Steve and the staff sitting there and you get beat on a baseline out of bounds for a layup like that, that's just you've lost focus. You're not locked in. You're not understanding. And this thing isn't about one guy. This is about you've got to be tied together as a five-man unit on the floor. And if, you, if you're not, uh, you know, you're going to pay for it. And, and you know what happens in our league? You figure out who are weak links and who the teams are going to attack. You and I talked about this before. And if that be the case and some guys are just not locked in, not getting back in transition, not knowing who's supposed to get back. i give you an example. Uh, in in the half court game, and, and you got a high pick situation, and you got a a weak side corner three guy. Well, you know those other guys have got to know who the first two guys are to get back, and they got to build a wall. 
And then you've got to get flow coming back on defense. And when you're giving up fast break points uh, in big numbers, that that really sets you back because it, it's you know it's hard to score in the half court. But teams love to get out in the open court, and that team there was playing downhill the whole night. You said the perfect word, Gary. The Thunder were playing downhill. It, it, it just it literally looks sometimes like the floor was tilted because they were just getting out and going. Uh, they they play .5 basketball. They cut very well without the basketball as well. Uh, Mark Dagnall's done a heck of a job he with has. that team. The Fallback and Love Comedy and Music Jam is coming to Chase Center on Saturday, March 18th, featuring Trey Songs, Mario, Monica, and many more. Get your tickets now at ChaseCenter.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll break down more of the bad and good from the loss to the Thunder. We'll talk a little bit about Stephen Curry returning and looking like his old set, some Jonathan, old self, Jonathan Kaminga, Jordan Poole, and more here on 95.7 The Game. And every member of Dub Nation has a seat at this table. If everybody would please take your seats. The Warriors Roundtable has returned on 95.7 The Game. Knocked it down straight on for about 28 feet. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Join us at Chase Center on Saturday, March 11th, as the Dubs face the Milwaukee Bucks on Fan Night, presented by Adobe. All fans in attendance receive a Fan Night shirt. Get your tickets now at Warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. Representatives are standing by. Thank you for tuning in here on 95.7 The Game to Warriors Roundtable. Kevin Dan alongside Gary St. Jean, taking your calls until 7 p.m., 888-957-9570. One more not-so-good thing to talk about from the Thunder game last night. And, Gary, I'm sure you remember this play late in the first half. Uh, Draymond Green wanted the ball at the high post, kind of flashing towards the foul line, didn't get it from Jordan Poole got upset, turned his back to the play, and Clay Thompson was actually about to throw it to him, threw it towards him, or maybe it was, I forget who, or maybe it was going towards Clay, but the ball actually ended up coming Draymond's direction, but he had already turned his back to the play. It's a turnover. He doesn't get back on defense. Luckily for Golden State, the Thunder didn't score on that possession, and Golden State, lucky it didn't cost him anything, but Gary, if there was ever a play that said this team wasn't connected in a moment like that. I mean, that was the play. And Steve Kerr pretty much said as much after the game as well. Well, nobody probably in the whole league plays with more emotion than, uh, than Draymond. And I think it got the best of him in that situation. I'm sure he'd admit it. Uh, he's a, just a high IQ basketball player. And uh, he's got to be absolutely locked in because he leads everything in transition. I love when he busts it out of there with a defensive rebound and starts the break and team plays with tempo. And he's obviously the key on the defensive end as well. So they need him uh, playing at the top of his game because, you you know, you we've talked about the fact that they're relatively small and he's asked to play bigs every night. And the fact Loon came off the bench and uh, it's just paramount that he's on top of it and uh, he's playing with a sore hand and there's a lot of guys sore right now, but uh, you need a locked in Draymond Green if you're going to win. 
Yeah, that, that's 100%. And he did have a pretty good overall game. If you take a look at his stats, he, he led the team in plus minus. He was a plus four. He had 11 points, 11 assists, just one rebound in the game. But he was efficient, hit his only three. He was five of seven from the field. But how does the staff in a locker room respond to a play like that where one guy is visibly frustrated on the court and doesn't get back on defense or, or is, you know makes kind of a scene on the court whether it's showing up a teammate or something like that. How how do you handle that as a coach and as a team collectively? Well, the good news about this team is you've you've got these veterans that are destined for the Hall of Fame that have each other's respect, and it doesn't have to come from the head coach. It can come from your veteran uh, threesome that he's played with so long. Uh, Those are the guys that are going to talk to him and say, hey, Come on, get your chin up, and we got to get to work here. And yeah, we we blew that one, but come on, we got to get locked in and get going. And uh, then you just keep on going forward. You recognize the mistake, and 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 it may be a, a a coach that has responsibilities more for defense, an assistant that might go up to him at the timeout when the assistant the coaches are meeting with the head coach out there. The head coach might say, "Hey, hey, Joe, you go talk to him." Uh, and then uh, you might have a head coach who feels like he needs to address it and grab him out of a timeout or as he's coming to the huddle. So there's a lot of people that can step up and help in the situation, and it's a collective effort. Yes, uh, yes, it is. Now, on the good side of last night, and there were some good things that came out of that game, notably Stephen Curry being absolutely fantastic. I mean, that that's kind of one thing to me that really kind of helps guys like Steph and Katie kind of separate themselves from the pack. Obviously, they are all world talents. But when they come back and guys like Steph and Kevin have had to come back from a lot of it, injuries, generally they don't need a whole lot of time to shake off the rust. And in his second game back, Stephen Curry hit eight of his first nine from three, ended up with 10 made threes, 40 points on 14 of 23, six rebounds, seven assists. He was absolutely incredible. He also had the 19-point fourth quarter against the Lakers to keep the Warriors alive in that one. And and Steph was, I mean, it was a vintage Stephen Curry performance last night. Yeah, you don't like to waste those. Uh, yeah. You know, when you get play like that in those two games from him, recovering from this injury and going out playing like, boom, you know, nothing happened. Uh, you know, he's had a lot of good games, Kevin, at OKC. Uh, whether it's a special shot or a collective shooting performance. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I look at him and, and you just marvel. I mean... Think of all the people in Oklahoma City that circled that game and said, hey, we want to we want to come and, and take our our little girls and our, our sons uh, to see the greatest shooter ever to play. And they go to the game, and he knocks down, like you said, eight out of nine, and, and the dad's kind of going, see, I told you, <laughs> he is the greatest ever. And uh, it, it's amazing to watch the guy. And, you know, we, we get a little frustrated with some other aspects of the team. And when you're having a game that you're a little bit disappointed in, just watch him. <laughs> That's Some nights I'm doing that. I, I just I just say, hey, you know what, this, this one's not going to get there. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep watching because I want to watch him. And yeah, the, yeah. the guy is, is absolutely amazing. And, 
you know, you, you, you play the Laker game, and obviously Anthony Davis decided to show up and, and played great. And uh, But there he was, you know, out there, uh, you know, LeBron sitting over there watching, and he's got the respect of, of everybody in, in that down there at what I call the old forum, the new place, uh, crypto place. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he's... He's an amazing, amazing player. Uh, I just can't give him enough praise. And Kev, tell me this. How right. the heck does he find time to do all these commercials? He's doing reads for 95.7. He's doing his subway <laughs> stuff. He's doing the rental car stuff. Uh, I don't know how he does all this. Yeah, there was a great article that Connor Letourneau, the San Francisco Chronicle, wrote about Stephen Curry's personal assistant last year. And uh, forgive me, I forget her name, but it, like this one person's like on top of all this stuff and really has like his schedule in just completely in check and, and stuff. And it, it takes a team to make sure oh, that boy. Stephen Curry can really do all these things because trust me, I, I wouldn't be able to keep all that information in my head that I have to do X sponsorship, Y sponsorship, Z sponsorship, a commercial read. And oh yeah, we we're playing the Indiana Pacers tonight at 7 PM at chase center. So yeah, it, it certainly makes for a, a full life, not to mention you know, having a wife and kids and, you know, raising children and all that, which is a full-time job in its own. Uh, but despite Steph having this great year, Gary, I mean, look, this is the second most points he has averaged since his second MVP season. This is the best he's shot from the field since his second MVP season in 2016. He's 93% for the foul line. He's averaging a career-high 6.2 rebounds per game with almost 6.5 assists per game. And despite all this, the Dubs actually have a better record without him. They're 14-12 and 12 when he doesn't play, <laughs> and they're 20-20 20 and 20 with him. Explain that to me. <laughs> I don't have any kind of answer for that. That is crazy. And I am going to say this. Don't you feel... I know we're disappointed what's going on on the road, but don't you feel like with Clay being vintage Clay, having a couple great months, uh, and Steph playing like this, that if Wiggins comes back, and uh, you know, you know, Draymond's going to be locked in. I know Looney's going to play well. You see some growth in Kaminga. You're starting to, you know, I I still say this. If I'm one of those top teams. And the Warriors are five or six. I don't want to play them. I, no, I don't I, want to play the Warriors. I I really don't because there's no back to backs, and this team will lock in and prepare well. And I I think we've just got to ride this out and and hope they get going uh, and get some momentum going as they get toward uh, you know early April and. It's going to come together. Listen, these home games, road games, I don't have any answers for this stuff. This is, Kev, you're the historian. I, I don't know of a team that, and they were the champs last year, that's had a disparity home and the road like, like these guys. I, I can never recall this. Yeah, I mean, the one example that comes to mind is the 1998-99 Chicago Bulls, and that's mainly because they didn't have Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, 
and uh, the, the rest of that crew anymore. I think only Tony Kukoc was like the lone holdover on that 98-99 team from like the, the, like the big-time players for that uh, the second three-peat who, who finished that season off. So I mean, beyond them, I think it goes back to like the 70-71 season. It might have been uh, around like the, the Milwaukee Bucks. It, I'm not sure if it was exactly the Milwaukee Bucks who – who had that, but uh, it, it was around the early 70s, I think, when you've seen a team who was a defending champion perform this poorly on the road. Moving on to another positive from, from last night, uh, Jonathan Kaminga, and you know he shined in his start. He had yes. 21 points. He was very efficient from the field, 8 of 11, and he just continues, to me, to show his maturation as a two-way force. And Look, the, the the previous game, he only played 13 minutes against the Lakers, but and I think it was like his previous eight or nine games before that, he had played 22 minutes plus in every game. And I, I know there were some fans who were upset that he didn't get much run against the Lakers. I saw a guy who was flustered by a Lakers defensive scheme uh, that basically dared Kaminga to shoot. And even though he has a respectable three-point percentage, uh, it was... He saw him kind of get flustered, frustrated on certain possessions where he's visibly kind of gesturing in frustration. I thought it was the right decision to not play him much, uh, as much in that one just because of how the Lakers were defending him and how he was kind of having a tough time reading the situation. But overall, I, I just think this guy continues to grow, and I, I can't be more excited about the future for Jonathan Kaminga. Well, it's kind of like uh, he got a dose of uh, the medicine that we gave Westbrook with Draymond yes. playing 20 feet off of him. And exactly. it, you got to understand, and he's a young guy, and he doesn't have that uh, experience to, to go and, and say, hey, you know, if they're not playing me and I don't, I'm not comfortable in my jump shot, uh, I've just got to put the ball on the floor and attack the rim, or and or I've got to get into the dribble handoff situations because if my man is playing that far off of me, if I bring it to somebody and they come off of me, they're wide open for a shot. So, uh, again, that, that's experience, and uh, it was a good coach employee. And on the, on the other side of the coin, I'm looking at the game he has last night, and I'm, I'm you know, excited about it. And I, I'm. we talked about this, that he's come a long way defensively. He's taken the challenge. So what, what am I going to ask more of from him? It's rebounding. And, and that's a big, big key when you're a frontline guy. Uh, you know, to play that amount of time and only come up with three rebounds, it, it, it's, it's got to get better. It, it, it's big because this team has to gang rebound because you're not playing bigs. You know, you're not that big. So you play 28 minutes and you come up with three rebounds. He, he's got all the capabilities in the world to do this. And, uh, you know, if he's out there guarding the point guard, and they've done that sometimes, then I understand. But if he's below the free throw line, uh, you're not you're not going to tell me that there's a Dennis Rodman or somebody in there that's swallowing up 20 rebounds. He's he's got to get some of those. And you know what? He ought to get excited because if he gets them, 
Steve's going to tell him, hey, do the same thing Draymond does. If you get a defensive board, what do we want you to do? We want you to blow it out of there. Let's go. You start the break. So uh, that's, that's one of the next steps for him. But uh, you, as you pointed out, you've you got to be pleased with uh, the way the season's uh, going for him. I completely agree with you, Gary, in that he needs to up his rebounding rate. Last year as a rookie in 16, no, 17 minutes a game, 3.3 rebounds per game. This year, his second year, in 20 minutes per game, 3.3 rebounds per game. So that hasn't nudged up at all. And and the reason I think we're discussing and, and saying uh, a room for improvement for him is rebounding is because when he gets rebounds, look, for a guy who has who's only averaging 3.3 rebounds per game, I can't think of anyone who has more like highlight rebounds on the Golden State Warriors than Jonathan Kaminga. Now, obviously, like Kevon Looney's had a, a bunch of money offensive rebounds this season but as far as just like kind of highlight real like wow how did he get that rebound i think jonathan Kaminga tops the list and unfortunately he just hasn't provided more of those and and i do think next year maybe two years from now however long it's going to take hey this is a guy that has the capability to average eight to ten rebounds a game without a doubt you you're exactly right on and again you know, you touched on this last week. He had a flash into the paint for an open 12-footer. He didn't even look at the rim. He just passed the ball out. That's feel for the game. And we talked about Weissman a lot because I, I'm watching what he's doing in Detroit. And I think he had last night, he had a, he had a big game, uh, 10 for 13 or something like that. But look at his rebounds. And again, that's... That's instinct. You know, what, what makes Looney so special rebounding? You know, I always use this expression, do your work early. So he bodies or, or boxes out uh, his uh, player, but then he positions himself. He understands where the shot's being taken, and he tries to get weak side on a good position, and then he's got great hands, which I, I think that, uh, you know, that these young guys have. I think they have really good hands. And go and attack the ball. Kaminga can do this. Go and attack it uh, coming off the board. It's something that was a shortcoming with Weissman, and, and it takes experience to learn how to do this. And Looney is like a double-double guy because he's he's figured this thing out, and it's not insurmountable. Yeah, no, it really isn't insurmountable. He has all the tools in the world to be a high-level rebounder in the NBA. One, one other guy I want to touch on with respect to last night's game, Jordan Poole, uh, coming off the bench in the game, did not have his best performance. He had just 11 points, three rebounds, three assists, wasn't efficient, four of 12 from the field, didn't turn over, but was one of seven from downtown. And his starter slash bench splits are pretty wild as a starter. And obviously you're going to play like you would think you play more minutes and, and pool does when he starts, but it shouldn't make up for this discrepancy as a starter, 24 and a half points, three point rebounds, 3.1 rebounds, 4.7 assists, 43% from the field, 33 from three, 88 from the foul line off the bench. 
14.4 points, 2.3 rebounds, 4.4 assists, 41 from the field, 31 from beyond the arc, and 82 from the foul line. And yes, the minutes play can make up for some of the points per game difference, but not all of it, and certainly doesn't explain the, the efficiency just in the fewer minutes played. I mean, is the onus on pool to figure out how to be a dynamo off the bench or because of the sample size we've seen, should he be starting? No, he should not be starting. And uh, this, this is, this is something that he can learn. Uh, You know that I grew up in Massachusetts. So Red Arback was the guy who started the six man principle and he did it with uh, a guy named Frank Ramsey to start with, who played with Bill Russell. And then after that, the most famous one was John Havlicek. That's how good the Celtics were. And uh, you know what he, he often talked about? And Nelly used to talk about this. He'd get in the game, and he'd get in there early on the offensive possession. He'd set a back pick, get his bell rung a little bit, and wake him up. Like, whoa, <laughs> I just got clocked. I'm in the game now. <laughs> And uh, and to carry it over, you know, I was really fortunate being with Nelly that that we had somebody like Junior Bridgman, uh, who was fantastic sixth man when we had great teams in Milwaukee. Also, Ricky Pierce, uh, sixth man of the oh, year. Yes. Great. These guys were great guys coming off the bench. I I just think I'm I'm not going to cut him any slack. I I just don't uh, I don't buy it. Uh, it. It's a mental state of mind. And uh, you're getting a fabulous opportunity with this team this year because Steve has let him play through a lot of, a lot of ups and downs. And uh, I think he's been very patient with them. And we've seen nights where he's played terrific, and you're saying, wow, what a bright future. And then I'm seeing other nights, whether it's turnovers, uh, shot discretion with long threes or uh, attacking one against four, uh, this game isn't about playing hard. It's about playing hard and playing smart. And smart intelligence on the court comes from experience. And it's time. Uh, if this team is going to make noise in the playoffs, if they're in their first seven-game series, the Golden State Warriors need pool to play at a very high level. And then you're saying to yourself at times, because we've had Clay play the three spot and him and Steph in the backcourt. Do you think some other coach wants to face those three when Poole is locked in? That that's boy, that that's a that's a lot of medicine to have to swallow. So uh I, I you know, I maybe I'm being a little harsh tonight, but I, I think it's it's time. He's gotta play better at that in, in that role. Yeah, I mean if Jordan Poole like it, the, the Warriors would be the best oiled machine if Jordan Poole can be as efficient and as lethal coming off the bench as he is as a starter. Very because true. I don't. I the, the, the starting five unit uh, of a of a Clay, Steph, Draymond, Wiggins, and Kevon Looney is still among the league's best. So I, I don't think you want to mess with that. And, and hopefully Jordan Poole can make those strides coming off the bench as the the Warriors get. Full, completely whole and get ready to make this postseason push. Well, Dub Nation, Mark Anthony is coming to Chase Center. Don't miss the Viviendo Tour live at Chase Center on Friday, March 10th. Get your tickets now at ChaseCenter.com. We'll come back and take a look at what's on tap for the Warriors after this break on 95.7 The Game. 
Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean are holding court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! At the Warriors Roundtable. You can't handle the truth! Curry, screened by Draymond Curry, gets free for three. Got it! On 95-7 The Game. Now back to Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Let's take a look at some upcoming broadcasts presented by Ticketmaster. The fun continues tomorrow night on Beale Street. The the Dubs are in Memphis to take on the Grizzlies. 4 p.m. airtime, 4.30 tip time with Tim Roy and Jim Barnett. And the Dubs are back home. It'll be Tim Roy and Tom Tolbert as the Dubs take on Milwaukee Saturday, March 11th, 5 p.m. airtime, 5.30 tip time. That is fan night presented by Adobe. Then the back end of the two-game homestand is against Kevin Durant, the Phoenix Suns. No Kevin Durant tonight for Phoenix as they are taking on Oklahoma City in the uh, kind of the Kevin Durant Bowl there. But uh, actually, that is in Phoenix, I should say. 6.30 airtime, 7 p.m. tip time. At Chase Center, Monday, March 13th, that game presented by DoorDash. Then back out on the road beginning Wednesday at the Clippers. Crypto.com Arena, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time. Then Friday in Atlanta to take on the Hawks, 4 p.m. airtime, 4.30 tip. We got a few minutes left here on 95.7 The Game before we make way for Fox Sports programming. But you can hit us up in the meantime, 888-957-9570. So let's start with the Memphis Grizzlies game and. Gary, if there was ever a time to face the Memphis Grizzlies, this would be the time to do it as they just slipped into a tie for second with the Sacramento Kings because A, the John Morant situation, and B, Brandon Clark is out uh, for the rest of the year due to injury. And Adrian Wojnarowski just reported earlier this afternoon that John Morant will not play in at least the next four games. So that means he's missing this one against Golden State and maybe potentially the next time they play as well in Memphis. So they they have a lot of stuff going on uh, around that team. None of it positive, whether it's injuries or off-the-court stuff. And Look, you need you need to start winning some road games. You need to build some positive mojo on the road. This would be the time to do it. Well, here you go. You you got an all star player out. Uh, the team is struggling. They've got some injuries. I think Adams is back working out. They're trying to get him back, and and he's a big big piece, especially with yes. Clark being down now. And. Uh, Here's what you hope for, that Brooks shoots the ball 30 times. And uh, he's going to make five. And uh, the other night uh, when they were playing, Bain at one point was 0 for 9 from the floor. And I'm bewildered how that guy doesn't get more touches because I think he's got all-star potential. I think he's special. And uh, so you're getting them at the perfect, perfect time. On the other side of the coin, I want to say they're 25 and 6 at home. So they really play well at home. Um, but I, I, I very winnable game. There, there's no doubt about it. And you mentioned those other games, two easy ones, right? Uh, that Milwaukee game, the whole key for Milwaukee to me is whether Middleton uh, can get back to playing 30-plus minutes. They're bringing him off the bench because of they're monitoring his minutes. And uh, that guy's a terrific late-game player. Uh, They need him uh, to reemerge. And he's been playing better as of late. And then you talked about, uh, you know, Phoenix with Durant. 
Was tonight, Kev, supposed to be his first home game? I think so. Uh, I th- I think so, but he is yeah, not. Yeah, so I don't know what today. if it's what uh, what's going on there. It, it was but, an ankle uh, injury. Oh, was it? But he yeah. has looked fabulous. Uh, for example, yeah. uh, the last week uh, on ABC when they played Dallas, how easy did he make it look? I mean, the guy is—he's truly amazing player. I, I love watching him. You forget that he's seven feet tall. So with yeah. that said, uh, that that foursome that they have uh, is special. They're not deep on the bench. Uh, Payne has given them some good minutes to try to help uh, with the point guard position with Paul. But, uh, you know, those teams are terrific, and then you go back on the road. So it's not going to get easy. But like I said about 45 minutes ago, can you go 500 the rest of the way? Because if you do... <laughs> You are two games over 500. And if you're two games over 500, you are going to be fifth or sixth in the West at worst because I don't know if if Memphis is going to have a free fall. That could happen. The one team that I know is going up is Phoenix. But beyond that, you know, Sacramento solidified themselves. They're doing a great job. I think they can hold where they are. But... uh, We've just got to hang in there and be positive and hope the guys play to be- better individually and collectively as a group. Uh, let's end the show on this. Draymond Green had his podcast uh, released earlier today, latest episode, and there was a Dylan Brooks article on ESPN in which he kind of took some shots at Draymond Green saying he, d- yes. he doesn't like Draymond Green very much. This was Draymond's response. If you ever wondered why the Memphis Grizzlies are not ready to compete for a championship, look no further than this idiot right here. They are actually depending on this guy to help them win a championship, and he says his game is cool. Quite frankly, that just shows how little you know about basketball. That's where it really gets interesting. Your level of understanding the game of basketball is at a fan level, and you're running around talking about a dynasty. The dynasty starts after you, not with you. I know dynasty-like players. They aren't clowns. That doesn't work when Bill building a dynasty take it from me i actually know clowns don't work building a dynasty how about that <laughs> you know what i love it because i'm join i'm joining that that group that fan fan base i am not a brooks guy at all uh so with that said kudos to draymond nice job <laughs> Well, that'll do it for our show tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. Big thank you to Sterling Bennett operating things behind the scenes for us, behind the glass at the station. A big thank you to R.C. Davis and Marika Kletzo for getting the promos to us. For Gary St. Jean, I'm Kevin Dana saying so long. We'll talk to you next Tuesday night. You've been listening to the Warriors Roundtable. Curry brings it through. One hand free. Up and good. The exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors. Playful and nailed it. 95-7, the game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.